Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. A funeral, goldfish, St. Francis, bar stools, Wawa, and a eunuch. Uh, A few weeks ago, the church, uh, Universal, lost someone very special to her, Um, an author of many amazing books that have deeply impacted my imagination uh, and the imagination of many other pastors in the U.S. and around the globe. Um, He wrote books like A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, uh, Eat This Book. Also, some of you are carrying uh, a translation of the gospel called The Message, and he wrote that. Um, His name was Eugene Peterson, and he was the pastor's pastor. And I read a remarkable quote from his son who wrote a poem for him to reflect his life at his funeral just a few weeks ago. And Leif said in this poem that his dad had only one sermon and he had everybody fooled. And for 29 years of pastoral ministry, he fooled everybody. Uh, All his books had one central message. And when he was in pastoral counseling opportunities and marriage, all the different things, he had one message. And everyone thought he had this wealth of wisdom and all this stuff. And the secret that Leif said that his dad had led him in early on in his life. And it was a message that Leif said that his dad whispered in his heart for 50 years. And words that he had snuck into his room while he was lying in bed to speak over him as he slept as a child. That God loves you. That God is on your side. He is coming after you. And he is relentless. My friends, I love the way that statement sums up the gospel. And let me say it one more time, that God loves you, that God is on your side, that he's coming after you, and that he is relentless. And this sums up what we have been sensing and speaking over the past few months as a community, and I don't think it's by accident As we've been talking about what the good news is, what the gospel is, we have our friend from India who is a gospel-preaching maniac uh, coming and sharing the good news of what God is doing around the world because the gospel is going forward. It's a train. You can't stop it. The fact that we've been wrestling with the good news as a community over the last few months, as we reflect back on the Jesus stories that have been shared in our house churches the teachings by Ben, Aubrey, Gary, Katina, and I, we have heard lots about the good news, about the gospel. And my friends, we are only scratching the surface of how deep this news really goes. But what I appreciate about the gospel, it is simply put. But there is such a wealth of what lies underneath. And so what is the good news? I really appreciate uh, a a gentleman who who writes from Canada. Uh, His name's Bruxy, and he said it really well. He said, in one word, the gospel is Jesus. In three words, it's Jesus is Lord. And in 30 words, 
It's Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, to save us from sin, to set up God's kingdom, to shut down religion so we can share in God's life. And I appreciate the way that this unpacks the gospel. Because what what is so fascinating about this is that, yes, the good news is that God didn't stay in heaven, but he came down to earth to be with us. He embodied this love that he has for us. And he didn't just come to hang out. He came to show us how much God loves us. And he came to save us from our sin because our sin will destroy us and sin always leads to death. It never leads to life. And in the deathfulness of sin, God comes to proclaim lifefulness through his son Jesus, through the death, burial, and resurrection of our king. And the kingdom. We get a chance to participate in a radically subversive kingdom of heaven here and now in Lansdale, in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, in Pittsburgh, all over the globe. And we're part of this beautiful kingdom. You and me. Sometimes we think we're just these little players in this game, and we are, but we all have parts to play in the kingdom. Whether it's sitting in the room with babies right now, holding them and praying for them, or hanging out with three and four-year-olds and somehow figuring out ways to make cars crashing each other into stories about Jesus. We're spending time with our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends who are far from Christ. Or maybe they're just near and they don't know it yet. But to shut down religion, this cycle of God is angry with you, you need to do good things, and then he'll be happy with you. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and life shows us completely different ways of what it means to be and to live. And because God is not a selfish God, all the gifts that he has given Jesus, he's given us so we can share in God's life together. That we share in God's life present here on earth together. I was, uh, I'm, I'm, I've been studying the book of Revelation uh, for the last few months, and it's been really radical, and there's a lot of really good things. But if you have your Bible, open up to Revelation 1, 4 through 8. I just want to read something that I think really sums up well who Jesus is and kind of gives us some scriptural backing to this crazy thing that Bruxy wrote. And it says this, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. So I'm going to rewrite that just a little bit. I know we're not supposed to, but let me put it this way. To renew and her seven house churches, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. My friends, everything we want to know about who God is and what he is like, we find in the person of Jesus, and this is the good news that we get a chance to talk about, to live out, to think through, and to just avalanche our lives in this amazingly good news. So goldfish, uh, one of the last weeks of men's discipleship, uh, my cousin Ben shared this profound story 
uh, about these two goldfish that he purchased. And so he was home alone and his wife was away and he decided what most dads do when they're home and the wives are gone and the, the spouses are gone is we need to buy stuff because I don't know how else to entertain them. And so he goes out and he buys them the, each the fish and they loved them and they named them Iron Man, which then got changed to Captain America, which is, we could call him Iron Captain America. Uh, and the other one was Elliot Grace. Uh, um, and they sat there, and, and he said, it's funny, Lincoln and Paisley were just sitting there at the table. Like, they had their elbows up there just, like, watching these things so intently. And Ben thought, it's going to be the next three or four days. They're just going to sit here and stare at the fish. I've done it. So he goes out to his truck to get the fish food, and when he comes back, the kids are gone. He says, you know, he runs in. He says, guys, what are you doing? What about your fish? And he goes, yeah, we already saw them, Dad. And then they were on to the next thing. I can relate to this. Can anyone else? Yeah, okay, you're like, yes, absolutely. Because the next shiny thing comes along and it diverts our attention. And that sometimes the good news of the gospel can very quickly be diverted by the stuff that happens within our life in every single day. And it can be drowned out by our things and by the events of life. And so when I think about the, prof the profound truth of this goldfish, it reminds me of something that I've heard lots of pastors say and I want to make sure that we hear this together as a church so it doesn't just get stuck in pastor talk, but this idea of preaching the gospel to ourselves, to continually reminding ourselves of the good news. And here's a trick. There will be times, and I sense we might get bored of that. And my hope is, as having conversations with Dennis, the minute you get bored with something, wait, because a miracle is about to happen, because you're about to see something fresh that you haven't seen before. And so as we continue to hear this real good news, we need to preach it to ourselves, not only to ourselves, but we need to remind one another within our house churches, within the, this community, the walls of this place, other believers that are in different places like Erie and India and around Northeast Philly and places around, we need to continue to preach the gospel to one another and remind each other who God is, the hope that he has, and what he has done for each of us. My friends, a lot of folks have had conversation about the idea of shame being a very big, heavy burden within life. Shame cowers, cowers at the proclamation, at the speech of the gospel, because Jesus doesn't let us live in shame. And so if you want to continue to live a life free of shame, preach the gospel to yourself. Have your friends remind you of the good news of Jesus. It's like putting on brand new clothes each day. Uh, Dave Balecki, who ran our men's discipleship uh, and who has been all things uh, men's discipleship the last few years, um, challenged us as a bunch of guys and said, I want you to write something down and put it on your mirror. And it's this, I'm a beloved child of God, one in whom Christ dwells, and I'm living in the unshakable kingdom of God. And that's a quote by a guy named James Bryan Smith. And what I love about that quote is when we begin our day with a proclamation, with a speech of who Jesus is and what he's done, it changes the way, for me personally, the way I think about the rest of my day. It just has this way of doing that because it is truly good news. And the real good news is that this resurrection power that is so brilliant in our lives and is literally at the, our fingertips living inside of us, that we aren't the end users of this. We're not the only people that get a chance to hear this and be like, oh, I've arrived. 
But I, you, we are not the end users of the gospel. And this should energize us in the fact that the ordinary, simple places of life all of the sudden become important places where the reality of heaven needs to break in to the understanding in the place of earth. And this is the real reality, and we get to share this with a world that desperately needs to hear this. So St. Francis uh, was credited to saying something, and and some of you have probably heard this before, uh, and it's something like this, preach the gospel and use words when necessary, right? And like that sounds really good, and some of us are like, man, I love that statement, and I think there's a lot of really good things, but we need to understand St. Francis most likely didn't say this. In fact, we can say he didn't say it. Um, And I believe this statement is actually kind of misunderstood and can become an anchor for us to move forward in the gospel. The fact that we can think, if I just live my life a certain way, people will just know and kind of come flocking in and like, oh, what's, you know, how do you do all this? And and that happens. Now, I'm going to back up here for a second and make sure that we get this right. But it's not just preach the gospel by living out the gospel, it's, there is this mandate to use words. Because guess what? Our words have power. How do you remember that thing that that person said 17 years ago and it still sits and eats at your life? How many of you remember things that were said just a few days ago that the words had power and just seemed to sink in and hurt? How many of you remember the affirmations that you've heard from people, right? Because words have power. And so we preach the gospel using words because our words have power. Because guess what? If Jesus did something so amazing in my life and changed me, I'm going to need to talk about it, even if I'm not much of a talker. Because I don't want to just sit back and just, you know, hope that by the way I opened up my sandwich today, someone will notice. Which we do need to take the wrapper off the communion bread. We forgot to do that. I'm going to just really quick hand this over to Ben. Thanks, pal. Anyways... (laughs) (laughs) but the truth is we need to learn how to articulate the good news that Jesus loves people that he loves you that he loves us that he not only loves us but he calls us into an abundant life a kingdom life where we get a chance to see the gates of hell fall apart and shatter and tremble because where we show up Christ comes with us And so how do we learn these things? Well, because we understand that words are important. So we become students of the word, Jesus, capital W word, but we look at his words, the words that he spoke within scripture. When we read the Old Testament, we get all weirded out. We remember that Christ is doing something. He's all over this place, whether we see it or not, but we become students and we understand how did Jesus share the good news? He told stories. Like, when's the last time you sat and were compelled by a story? When's the last time you thought about an opportunity to share a story that you think could bring hope to someone in the midst of their discouragements? And yes, our actions, I'm not letting us off the hook here, our actions have importance too. Because a couple years ago, we preached on the gospel, we preached on 1 John and J.R. had a teaching, and he talked about living congruent lives. John's whole message in 1 John is live congruent, live congruent, live congruent. What you preach is what you live. And so we need to continue to do that. And it's amazing because sometimes God even uses the mess-ups in our life to become these beautiful, 
on-ramps of grace for people to see God and Jesus in a completely new way. And so the idea of belonging before you believe is something that Jesus seemed to always make time for fishermen, for people who were hurting, for marginalized, and for people who had authentic questions. And Jesus embodied what it looks like to love people well. And I think this is the trick for us as people. When we think about preaching the gospel, using our words, and embodying it, it's to recognize that we, as the people who belong to Christ, are always on holy ground. We are always on holy ground. Or a thin space where heaven and earth meet because we represent Christ. And sometimes heaven and earth coming close looks a lot like a bar stool. Uh, Steve, uh, one day his wife called me and told me that he was really low. Uh, they were in a time period where they've exa- exhausted their funds, their time, their energy, and their life over three years trying to get pregnant. And this was the first of the last-ditch effort of a, of a procedure that they were about to, to go into, and they, they finished it, and they were excited, and they were waiting. And they got back the news that it didn't work, and the doc was pretty certain that the next two weren't going to work either. And so his wife calls me and says, can you please meet with him? He is like super low, super hurting, really upset. And so we met up at the Perky, which is a dive bar down the street from the hockey rink. Uh, And we sat there on those holy bar stools, and we cried, and we talked, and we listened to one another. And I wish that there was a space there where I had an amazing moment where the heavens opened and a confession of faith happened, but there wasn't. However, As I sense the Lord calling me to share stories of the people in Scripture, of the heroes in Scripture that struggled with infertility, and the stories about how God is close to those who are brokenhearted, as he listened, tears formed. And he said this most profound thing. He said, I wonder if in all of this, God may be trying to get my attention. And I said, I wonder if that's what God could basically be doing in the midst of this really difficult season too. And so I wandered right along with them. We prayed together, um, and I believe that God is still at work in my friend's life. I believe that there are still things that are happening there. There are still questions. There's still this honest uh, wrestling with what God may be doing in him and through him and what, who God might be. And so I've been really encouraged to think that one of the holiest places in the world that I've ever had a chance to sit is in a dive bar on two really old stools and seen some of the rawest, most vulnerable conversations in my life being shoulder to shoulder with my friend who is nearer to the kingdom of heaven than he realizes. And so a week ago, uh, I was watching Caleb play lacrosse, and in between games, I sat with the dad, and we began to talk about sports, and uh, he really quick worked uh, into this conversation on how much he disliked the downgrading quality of Wawa hoagies, Um, and right at that point in time, I pulled out my Wawa hoagie that I got earlier and started eating it in triumph right in front of him, Um, and he did change his tune because at the end, he said, man, I really wish you would offer me some. I said, I'm not going to offer you a hoagie if you're going to make fun of it, so... Um, 
But it was interesting because we've chatted a few times. We've had some very normal conversations that guys do when they're sitting around sporting events about sports and different teams and all of this. Um, and out of nowhere, uh, he began to talk about a difficult situation that one of his kids was going through. And in the midst of that, I started to notice like tears forming in his eyes. And I said, so why do you think this is happening? And he said, well, I, I grew up Catholic. So uh, I think that when I was in the Marines, the things that I didn't saw were so terrible that God is revisiting. He's, he, my kids are paying for my sin. And so we had this amazing moment to sit there and to listen and to, to recognize that his picture of God was a picture of a God who's really angry and that he was so bent, that God was so bent on making him pay for his mistakes now that, that this was just the wake of it. And so we sat for some more and I told him some stories about God. And I, and I remember saying the statement, I said, I, I feel like the God that you described is very different than the one that I've known for some years. And I told him my story and it was this beautiful time of just sharing stories. And I wish I could say the heavens opened and all this stuff parted and things happened. But what I noticed was all of a sudden there was this glimmer of hope. And as we've been texting this week, it's been really cool to begin to see this wonderment. And so you really think God is like that? You really think God could forgive all this stuff that I've done? I was like, absolutely, man. That's what's happening. So I'm excited and encouraged because whether it was at a bar stool or eating a Wawa hoagie, somehow that became thin space. Uh, Kent Gerhardt preached a few years ago uh, on evangelism, how to share our faith. And he said, God's always at work. We just have to be available. And I believe that. I think if we just put ourselves out there in situations and just be available, the Spirit will lead us. Because the gospel fits in all these strange places. Because life happens, soaring joy and disappointment, dreams and nightmares, and yet God still calls to us and invites us into real good life. Abundant, overflowing dancing, all wonder, and mysterious life. He calls us to himself. And he gives us this beautiful gift to share with others. And the good news brings clarity to the confused and brings hope to the desperate. And the clarity that it brings the most is who God is and who we are. The main question I hear all the time is, I don't know who I am. My friends, that is like, that is like playing t-ball with one of those huge beach balls and having a bat that's even like four times the size of that and just saying, just hit the ball. I don't know who I am. Who am I? My friends, we'll never find out who we are outside of our creator. And that is the good news that you can find out who you are because God doesn't want to just keep us hidden away, but he calls us to be in spaces where we can be known and know God. I want to end with the passage of Scripture. It's in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 38. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, 
And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. When Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet, do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So Philip, so we invited Philip to come and to sit with him. And this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from earth. The eunuch eunuch asked Philip, please tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip, with that very passage of Scripture, told him about the good news of Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down in the water, and Philip baptized him. You are Philip in the story. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.